As we uh, take a look at this passage of Scripture, we see again as we um, continue our walk through the book of Acts, we're seeing uh, almost the same story, isn't it? Again, you know, a couple weeks ago, it was Groundhog's Day. Anybody remember that? Tuxotani Phil or whatever his name is saw his shadow and, and uh, so there's, or didn't see, I don't know. Whatever, winter's, come, winter's here and summer's coming, or spring's coming. But the thing is, is that if you've seen that movie, that Groundhog Day movie, and I'm not going to bring up a bunch of Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day movie illustrations, but it's the same thing over and over and over again. And you see the character that Bill Murray played, uh, he's goes from one to another to another to another to eventually he's starting to understand why he's having to go through these things over and over and over. Now, I'm not saying that Peter is Bill Murray or Bill Murray is Peter. That's not even close. But what I'm saying is Peter is being taught the same thing again and again and again. And the message that, that he's being taught is that the gospel is for all. And here we see a, 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 classic, a, a classic part of Scripture where, where you know, we, we have to go through and we have to let, 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 uh, let Scripture uh, tell us the story, but we see again Peter has been sent out. Peter's being sent out for a, for a certain purpose. And so when we go through Acts chapter 10, starting at verse 34, uh, we're going to just take a quick look at just a couple more verses here. But he says, verse 34 of chapter 10 in Acts says this, Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. So here we have the realization of Peter. Peter is realizing, he's understanding, he's making a fact. He sees it wide open, clear. Peter now understands the meaning, the meaning of this vision. Namely, that God doesn't show partiality. What? I thought God was just for Lutherans. Right? Right, Don? Just Lutherans? AFLC only Lutherans? That have been to Mecca in Plymouth, Minnesota? In Thief River Falls? No, no. He's for everybody. And that's one of the things that Peter, who, who has, is, is a Jew, who is a fisherman, who, who kind of had this, you know, he was handpicked, right? The Lord himself picked me. Because he's the, he's the king of the Jews. Right? I'm number one, right? Peter? I'm the one that has the most authority, I believe, because everybody's sending me first. Well, could it be that Peter's being sent because of the fact that he needs probably the most training? Maybe ask a question when you don't know how to do something and you go to do that one thing over 
and over and over. Do you learn how to do it better? I think so. Well, perhaps the greatest barrier to spread the good news in the first century was the Jewish-Gentile conflict. Most of the early believers were Jews. And they thought it scandalous to even, to even think of associating with a Gentile. That's, that was in their head, everybody. Yeah, I know God made them too, but we're Jews. The chosen race. God told Peter to take the good news to a Roman. And Peter obeyed, despite his background, despite his personal feelings. Because guess what? If we look a little bit further, let's go over to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, which, you know, he has to be taught again. So Galatians chapter 2, 11 through 14 says this. This is where Peter and Paul go at each other, okay? Uh, Peter says this, now, but, but, but when, when, when Peter, Caiaphas, came to Antioch, I approached him to his face because he stood condemned. For prior to coming of certain men from James, for prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the uncircumcised. But the rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy, with the results that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Caiaphas, Peter, in the presence of all, he called them out, okay? If you, like being a Jew, live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like the Jews? You think Peter had a little problem? This is not the first time or the second time or the third time. It happens a lot. Who was the one to go to Samaria after they were starting to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And, and they said, you need to come? They sent Peter. Peter and John. To come and talk to the Gentiles. It happens again and again and again. What's God trying to teach Peter? Inclusion. Be inclusive. I had a person ask me the other day, who can go to your church, Pastor? Guess what? Everybody. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Well, they are this. And I said, okay. I said, you know, here's, here's the thing. Uh, Elam's full of sinners. <gasps> You're right. Guess what? Look around the room. You're sinners. The guy in the pulpit is a sinner. He gets up in the morning, puts his pants on, Wants to watch Sports Center for hours. 
Sometimes he gets angry with his kids and yells at them. Thinks bad thoughts. Thinks about things that he probably shouldn't think about. Maybe gets involved with things that are feeding his flesh instead of feeding the flock. I'm not going to go any further, and I don't want you to go off on a rabbit trail. But you know what? I'm a sinner. Saved by grace. Who's the church for? It's for sinners. For people that are sick. Peter was sick. He was a, he was, he was Peter. He was one of the twelve. He had issues too. And it took him to continually having to go through a lot of the same stuff for him to go, oh my, this is for all. Jews and Gentiles. Hmm. A realization, a realization of the fact we should not allow any barrier, language, culture, race, geography, ec- economic level, or education level to keep us from telling others about Jesus Christ. It's for everybody. Every nation has people who are restless for God, ready to receive the good news, but guess what? Someone must take it to them. Seeking God and finding Him is key, but, but, but how, how, then, how then shall seekers find God without someone pointing the way? We saw that with the, the Ethiopian eunuch, right? He sat there and he's reading through Isaiah and he's like, I just don't get it. I won't understand unless someone tells me. It takes God, by putting people in the right place at the right time. Because I'm asking you right now, is God calling or asking you to show someone the way to Him? We've been talking about taking it to the streets, and we can sit and talk and talk and talk until we're blue in the face. But until we actually step out of our comfort zone and open our mouth. We're just going through the motions. Let's take a look at Romans. Romans chapter, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. It says this. How then will they call on Him in whom they have, they, they have not believed? How will they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things. Now, this is not telling me that I need to go have pedicures once a week. You can laugh at that. That's okay. God prepares. He prepares people to bring the good news. To bring your story. I know we've talked about stories a lot and talked about that each one of you has a story of how Jesus came into your life and what he's doing in your life right now today. 
you all have one. And, it's, and it, I know it's scary. You're all looking at me like, please don't ask me to do this. Please. No, you know what? I'm not asking you. The Holy Spirit's going to ask you when the time is right. Because there are many ways to share your story. Here, Peter, yes, was a preacher. He went out to tell. He went out and said, I have good news to share with you. Even though you're a Jew, even though you're a Gentile, almost a Jew, even though you're not a Jew, I need to send it. As we look at what Peter has done, as he was available and ready to go whenever the time was right in telling others about Jesus Christ, an effective witness must include more than a good example. Even eventually, we, 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 we will have to explain the content and what, the, and what and how the gospel is working. Modeling the Christian life is important, yes, but we need to connect the mind of the, of the unbeliever with the message of the gospel. Bringing the great message of salvation to others so that they would respond is the good news. I'm asking you, how will your loved ones or your neighbors hear unless someone tells them? Do you have that neighbor next door to you that might not know? How about your family? You got anybody in your family that doesn't know? Can you imagine someone that is close to you or was within reaching distance? You had the opportunity to share and you didn't? Out of fear? It's not comfortable. Peter not just didn't want to. They were in his head, in his training, in how he was, they were a lower being. They were not really worth it. Guess what? There are people like that living in our neighborhood right now. Maybe we're not saying that we're better than them. Maybe that's not what we're doing. But we all have that little thing inside of our head, don't we? They live on that side of the street. Do you see what's in front of their house? Oof. How many cars do you need in front of your house, junk dealer? Right? Do we? Yeah, we judge. And here, Peter has, has been pushed so far beyond that so that he would open his eyes and realize now that the gospel is for everyone. I'm asking you to think of one person who needs to hear the good news and think of something that you can do to help him or her hear it. Would it be through a lifestyle evangelism, which means uh, uh, one living, one's living proclaiming the gospel, or, or confrontational, which is, I know everybody's favorite, confrontational evangelism, which is declaring the message of the good news? Because guess what? Both are good. And I believe both need to be used together to, to promote the good news. 
Take the step as of what I'm saying as soon as possible to take it to the streets. To be ready to share. Peter realized this is what was being taught to me. This is what God is doing in my life right now. So we go to the second thing, the ratification of Cornelius. He comes in, 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 in view of this man, verse 36 through 43, 36 through 43, where we see the word which was sent to the sons of Israel, yeah, the word which was sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. You yourself know the things which took place throughout all Judea, starting with Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know the Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and the, with power, and, and how he went about doing good things and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are also witness of all the things he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. But, he also, but also they put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he became visible. Hmm. Not to all the people, but to the witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us who, are, who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And, after, and, 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 and he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who was appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness. And though his name, everyone who believes in him, receives forgiveness of sins. While Peter was still preaching these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. All the, uns all the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Hmm. For, there was, for they were hearing, him, hearing them speak with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered. Hmm. What's happening here, the ratification, is, is that things are being made valid. Peter again is preaching a sermon. Guess what? He's preaching again. Oh my goodness. Peter's preaching the same sermon again. This is how many times? I can't even count. He talks about the message of the gospel in verse 36 and 37. It's good news of peace through Jesus Christ. In verse 38 and 43, he talks about the Messiah of the gospel. In verse 39 through 42, he talks about the ministers of the gospel. Peter says he and other apostles are eyewitnesses to his crucifixion and his resurrection. He's doing it again. Same stuff, different day. But this time, guess what? It is to the whole group. Gentiles, Jews, everybody. He's not just saying, this is what I was told to come and tell you. He says, I am a eyewitness. I saw it happen. I am a dirty fisherman who has now turned preacher. And I'm telling you the truth. Why? Because I saw it. 
I saw this man who did miracles. I saw this man who went over and put his hand out and pulled people off the ground that were that were lame. I saw him stick, uh, take, take mud from the ground, spit in his hand, rub it together, put it on the eyes of a blind man and told him to wash it off. And guess what? He could now see. I saw him go to a Samaritan woman who was living in sin, an adulterous life with her fifth husband. And he knew and he put his hand out to a Samaritan. I saw him when a woman was caught in adultery in the act and were brought down to the front of the temple to be stoned by the leadership of this village. And he knelt down and he wrote in the sand and he says, anyone who has sinned, who has not sinned, throw the first stone. And by the time he got up, they were all gone. I saw this same man arrested for a, a crime that he did not commit. I saw him taken and beaten. I saw him scourged within an inch of his life. And then I watched him carry a piece of timber up Golgotha and be nailed to it. Stripped naked, bleeding, near death. His voice said two words, forgive them. I watched him die. I watched him take his body, limp and lifeless, put it in a tomb. And three days later, the body was gone. And he appeared to me and to, my, and to my buddies, and told us that he had conquered death. I saw this. Okay? I mean, it gives me chills. I'm, I'm sitting there with goosebumps, goosebumps underneath my jacket, even though I'm sweating like crazy. That's what he did. That's the, that's the, that's, that's the sermon he gave. Pretty simple, wasn't it? And then he closed with, he did it because he loves us. And now he's telling me to tell you that he loves you too. And he wants to be with you forever. Not just this section over here. He wants all of the sections. This is the, this is the sermon. I'm not making it up. He made it. First of all, we saw that he realized he had to do this. Secondly, he made it valid by sharing what he did. Peter's brief and powerful sermon contained a concise statement of the good news about his perfect servant, about his death on the cross, his resurrection, his faithfulness, his fulfillment to Scripture, and his necessity of personal faith in Jesus. This sermon or witness for Jesus Christ does not have to be long to be effective. You're right. 
Preachers don't need to preach for an hour. You know what it means when the preacher takes his wristwatch off and puts it on the pulpit? You know what that means? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> My dad used to do that. He'd, he'd get in the pulpit and all of a sudden you'd see me because he had one of those watches that was like those stretchy bands, you know? And he'd be like, hmm, put it down there. And I'm like, why'd you do that, Dad? He goes, so I can see what time it is. But you know what? He always went over. Always. And so they actually bought him another watch that was digital and he never wore it. Anyways, okay, that's a side... It's a side note. I know what time it is, but I just, if I got something to say, I'm going to say it. So, the sermon or witness is spirit-led. And Peter's sermon here was spirit-led. Where else in Scripture have we seen this very similar spirit-led preaching? Let's go back in the Old Testament, and I'm not going to read it all. I, I went and found a bunch of them in case I needed you know, more time or, or, or more information. But if you look in Isaiah, how many times does Isaiah speak about the servant of Jesus? One in particular, Isaiah chapter 52 through 53 talks all about the servant of Jesus. Ezekiel 36 verse 25 and 26 also points again to Jesus and how he is there to love everybody, not just a certain numbers. So we've seen, we've seen now that Peter realized we've seen that it's made, it's made valid, it's ratified. And so the last thing here we see in verse 44 through 48 is the regeneration. And we see that where we see uh, 46 through 40. No, let's go 40. I already read that. So we'll go through 47. Surely no one can refuse the water for those to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few more days. Here we see everything is made new. Everything is made new by the heavenly baptizer, which is the Holy Spirit, fell upon them. Uh, We see that Cornelius and the others, uh, and Peter, were very different people. Uh, Cornelius was a wealthy Gentile, a military man, and Peter was a Jewish fisherman, like I said, who is turned preacher. But God's plan included both of them. Cornelius, or part of the Gentile house, that day a new chapter in the Christian history was written as a Jewish Christian leader and a Gentile Christian converted. Each discovered something significant about each other. Cornelius, the Gentiles, needed Peter in order to hear the good news and to know the way for salvation. Peter needed the Gentiles in order to know that the Gentiles were included in God's plan. Can you imagine? This whole thing was about God's plan. It didn't just happen because. So, Pastor, thank you for the last 25 minutes of rambling. But what does this mean for me today? Ready? Realize that God loves you and has a very special plan for each one of you. Number two, he's making it valid through his word. Through his word, through the sacraments of baptism and the sacraments of the altar. The vehicle in which God shows us his what? 
You knew I was going to go there at least once. We see that here. We also see the very, path, the very last thing. When we do accept Jesus Christ into our lives, put him number one in our heart, guess what happens? We become brand new. Not changed, not just fancied up, put a new jacket on, wash the hair, shave the sides. No. You're brand new. That's the take-home of this 12 verses. Realize that you need Jesus. Validate it by looking at what his word says and what the Holy Spirit does in your heart. And number three, you're brand new to go on to guess what now? Share your story. This is what Jesus does for me and has done. That's the gospel message. What he has done and continues to do in my life. Do you have those three? Have you realized that you need him? Have you made it known by studying his word and letting the Holy Spirit move you? And number three, have you asked him into your heart to become brand new? If you haven't, guess what? We're all going to close our eyes and bow our heads and if you want to invite Jesus into your heart, you can do that right here, right now, today. And he'll come if you ask him. So with everybody's with your eyes down, I'm going to just take a few, a few seconds here.